Welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I predict zero failure this week. <laughs> the laughing... Strong, strong prediction, Joe. The laughing gentleman you hear is with me every week. My as, name is Joe Hilliard. Yes, as always, Dave Gurney is here with him. And uh, in our third chair, we have returning guest, Kaylee Diaz. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Oh, Kaylee, we're always excited for oh, you. Oh, in fact, you. Well, I'm holding your, the last time you were here, the gift that you gave us. Yes. This amazing beer and a movie. One of the gifts. One I mean, of we them. also have the, the pint glasses. That's right. Mm-hmm. So cool. So what'd you bring us this week? Okay. Uh, <laughs> she brought us beer. I did bring, she, she, did. she did bring beer. I want, on the record, for all the people who consistently listen, I went from, no, I don't like beer. No, I don't like beer. I'm going to bring a beer to actually bringing beer. Yes, she, she did. totally did. And I we're going to we're gonna bank those, cellar those for a future episode because we've got two specific beers tonight. They're German for reasons that we will soon let you know about. Well, why don't we just get started? Yeah. Uh, so Joe actually procured the beers, but I- I'm going to go ahead and introduce our first one this evening. Uh, thank you, Joe. You're welcome. And uh, th- this is a beer uh, that that takes us back to the old country, right? Back to back to Europe, where where we've been before. Uh, this time to the Warsteiner Brewery, which was established back in 1753. You got to love it when those, you know, especially the German breweries are so proud of the those like hundreds of years of history that they have behind them i mean when you look at american history we can't really get that old so it's no. like when you're looking at houses and you're like oh it's like a hundred years old it's really impressive right you get over there they're like oh this is a 12th century blah blah that's like, right that's right so so we're walking back in time here with this beer that they've brewed it's their german pilsner um which they describe as uh being known for um this naturally brewed um, concoction that it is in accord with the German purity law, which if I'm going to get this right, boot, Reinhardtska boot, Reinhardtska boot, das boot. It, every time I say it, I say it worse. All right, uh, but anyhow, it's about keeping it restricted to the water, the barley, the hops, the yeast, right? The, these four sort of primary ingredients in beer and not going beyond that, not adding adjuncts. So it's about executing really well on a classic kind of beer style. So I'm looking forward to trying this. I don't think I've ever had it before. So this okay. will be fun. I know that like they're the largest privately held brewery in Germany and they, oh, wow. they distribute to 60 countries. So um, chances are most of our beer fiend listeners have had a Warsteiner. Yeah. But it only makes sense that we have it. Uh, Pouring beautifully golden and uh, nice and translucent. I mean, I, I love that, you know, I, I'm just always excited when we bring a lager onto the podcast, and Joe indulging me like this, so yeah. exciting. You, uh, happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> is it your birthday? No, but it, th- oh. this is in advance. This is yeah, all well. the birthday present I'll ever okay. get. Well, lately we've been talking a lot about how uh, the, the, the Pilsner lager versus uh, ale, and Dave and I have different opinions go back several weeks every week and you can probably hear that but today it's like oh let's just give david what he wants <laughs> oh, you're such a good friend uh, he is you. he is so uh i was excited because a foreign film was in our market for two weeks in a row and when it was here that second week we said we just got to do it and we're talking about sisu a finnish film uh and i will get into a little bit of a synopsis but um Let's talk about the word sisu, which is a it's a Finnish word. It's a it gets con- defined at the beginning. Yeah, of there's the a little film. title yeah. card there described as stoic determination, tenacity of purpose, grit, bravery, resilience, and hardiness, and is held by Finns themselves to express their national character. It it goes on to say on this title card that it doesn't really have a good English translation, right? Because. Um, Tenacity, grit, resilience don't necessarily imply stoicism or bravery, but it's the concept of when you're down on your luck and you got n- right when and, hope and, seems lost, you, then you you're just able to keep pull it going. I mean, it's, you know, like we we have concepts around it, but I think it's probably right that we don't have a single word that really captures yeah. it all like this one. So I knew that there was this foreign film in our theaters, and we we did not do it. We last week we did Roadhouse and Point Break instead. But when priorities, it, folks. But when it was here, 
again. It was like, no, we gotta support this in our market. We gotta let the the Cinemark Theater know that if you bring this kind of thing, we will spend our money on it. I had not seen the trailer. Uh, I asked Kaylee if she would be involved in the episode, but it was a little late notice. And she said, sure, uh, I'm gonna go to the the next it was only showing one time 10 40 in the morning i had one opportunity to get in on for sunday this movie wow. on mother's day i said well that's where i'm going <laughs> and she said well then we're going together so kaylee and i actually had oh. a nice little uh fun time together at the movies um i don't i think i overate i ate more of my share than of the popcorn i think i did yeah <laughs> I had, he, at one point he definitely handed me the popcorn and said can you put this in the other chair or i will eat all of it right. and um then later I was like, oh, you know, what's a popcorn? Put it in the middle. And yeah, he ate like all of it. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, when I'm tense, when a movie is scratching every single itch, I'm just shoveling it in. And I'm kind of playing my cards here at the beginning. Sisu is a film written directed, uh, written and directed by Jamari Hellander. It is set in the Finnish Lapland during World War II. The film follows a gold prospector played by Jorma Tomila. Uh, his name in the film is eventually given as Atami Korpi, but for the purposes of this, I'm just going to call him Sam Sisu because that's what his name should have been. <laughs> um, and basically, he's a gold prospector who finds gold in the first uh, chapter. There's four or five chapters. The chapters are all have title cards, very good, bad, and the ugly, very... Um, you know, it, this film is all about vibe. Um, he finds gold. He packs it up on his horse. He has to ride through German-held um, Finland to get to a bank. And when he encounters a group, a Nazi death squad group led by a brutal Schutzstaffel officer, all hell breaks loose when they steal his gold. And it turns out that Sam Sisu is a John Wick kind of guy. Uh, in fact, he's got a legend behind him, we find out. If you encounter this guy and you're on the wrong side of him, you're probably going to die. You know why? Because he's got Sisu. <laughs> and it's just brutal, gory, John Wicky, Tarantino-esque violence, bloodbath of a movie. And Kaylee knows how I feel about it because she we got to see every single reaction. <laughs> now, um, so you didn't see the trailer before we went. I didn't even see the trailer. Did you watch the trailer after? Yes. Okay, I just wanted to be sure. I haven't watched the trailer at all yet. So the trailer, um, I, I did watch it ahead of time because I'm like, all right, if they picked. What am I getting into? The other film. You told me what the other film was going to be. I was like, all right, if we're watching that, like what's going to go with that? Right. What's the pairing? Um, and I sent it to my mom because we talk all the time. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go see this movie. And she's like, did you watch the, the whole the whole thing? The whole trailer? Did you watch it? I was like, yeah. She's like, okay. Just making sure. Because the dog. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Now, it's a spoiler podcast, so. Yeah. I was uh, Before you go on, I'm going to say, if you have not seen Sisu, stop listening. This movie is best served by not knowing anything about it. Yes. And I'm going to suggest you move on to the fast, the, the fast forward to the second half where we'll be discussing Inglorious Bastards, a movie I know you've seen. So uh, the dog lives, and I was so relieved. <laughs> I was, I, that's, I don't know. I just had to get that out early on that I was so excited. Because I, in the theater, I was like, is the dog dead? Is it, no, the dog's, no, the dog, it's dead. It's alive. No, it's dead. And then at the end of the movie, I was like, hell yeah, the dog's alive. Yeah. I, was, I was like losing my mind. I was going to be so sad. Yeah. Oh, um, well, that yes, you're right. There there was some precarious uh, now Hidalgo, dog situations. It's little, uh, or Elmer, whatever we want to call the horse. Oh, oh no, yeah. he did not. Yeah, the, the horse does not fare well. Yeah, I, we, we see in this film what happens when a horse is hit uh, with a rider, Sam Sisu, riding the horse, what happens to the horse when it's hit directly by a, a tank? Uh, a mine. Well, no, a landmine. It, it, it okay, land was it a landmine? Because yeah. I thought that, okay, it doesn't matter. No, but, yeah, it was a landmine. Got yeah. torn apart. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, David, okay, I was David, excited. Go ahead. David, get us, get, get us a little more into <laughs> okay. it, would you? Well, so you, you've kind of laid out a, a lot there. Um, you know, this is a Nazi revenge film of, of sorts, right? Which will pair well with what we have in the second half. I have a feeling that listeners are probably, well, they've looked at the episode title, so they know anyway. But even if they haven't, <laughs> even if you like to go in blind to bear in a movie, you probably have a pretty strong sense of what we might pair with this. Um, and it was appropriate, right? Um, I think there's you know a lot of um a lot of ways that we could kind of talk about the style of this film because joe's already kind of touched upon a number of the things that i think are quite notable here there's clearly 
uh, an interest in the Western mm-hmm. that, that comes through in the soundtrack, the score for the film, that comes through in some of the, the framing of things, that comes through in the, in the way that they kind of stage some of the action. I would even say the, the landscape itself and the yeah, cinematography. It, it's a barren kind of landscape, not desert, but like kind of tundra. Is that tundra? I don't uh, know. I mean, when I, when I think of tundra, I think of snow, so maybe I'm Full not the one. Full on snow, to, yeah. But maybe, okay. um, I did like that all of the landscape, like all of the flowers, all the things, they were all gold. Yeah. Like gold was very much, gold was what he was carrying. That's right. We, he's, our, yeah. he's our panning for gold guy. But there was very much like an overall gold. I was like, oh, yeah. that's pretty. Those that's are right. pretty. Which is often a, uh, a concern of Westerns, right? The, mm-hmm. the gold being uh, something that, you know, for those out on the Western frontier mining for gold, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So, so the, all of that kind of ties in. So that's a huge element. It's obviously, it's a war film of sorts. So it fits into that genre in a way. Although it's a very distinct take on the war film where you have this single man death squad. Yeah. Um, against a military unit versus, you know, a, a platoon of soldiers kind of working together or any, anything like that. Now, he does eventually recruit in the uh, the women who have been held captive by the Nazis. And right. They, and they do kind of aid and abet him to an extent. But, you know, that that's there, there's not a lot of camaraderie there. It's a quick, <laughs> you know, <laughs> nod towards the gun that they can pick up and then, you know, yeah. m- moving along and, and they know what to do. Yes, yes, me. I, I just, I love this movie. I loved it. I loved it the way I love RRR. You, I couldn't tell if you wanted to cut me off there. I know, no, I, I thought you were done, and I was letting Kaylee know that she could speak if she uh, wanted oh, to, okay, but then okay. when there was hesitancy, I just wanted to say, I love this movie. I love this movie. I love this movie. Yeah. Kaylee I, I was 15 minutes in when I whispered, I love this movie. I, yeah, he's like, he's like, oh my gosh. I can't, there was something you said. It was so funny. I was trying to like not yeah. laugh. It wasn't an appropriate time. <laughs> so what happens when he meets the Nazis, he gets his gold stolen, and then he... Uh, they they find that he hold on, is that, is that, is that so how he it meets goes down? he meets the first ones he's he he finds the little nugget of gold in the river and then he knows that there's a vein right, somewhere right. so he finds that packs it up meets the first ones the first ones are like eh, they don't they pass because they're like he's gonna, he's gonna die, die anyway we right. don't need to even bother with this he comes right. up upon the broken down truck and they're bored because they're stuck on the side of the road and so they start fucking with him and they find the gold on him right they take one nugget from him. And then he destroys them. Right. And, and then, then right. they come, the other uh, company comes back. They hear that fight. Yeah. That's, going on. that's what it is. They, okay. Then they circle back. Mm-hmm. And that's when the real So when, as he's making his retreat, this is when the, this is my, probably my favorite scene of the whole thing. He goes into a landmine area where there's landmines all over the place. Where he loses his horse. Yes. And that. R.I.P. To me is where the film goes from. Okay, it's a gory uh, when he kills, dispatches the the two guys that are just fucking with him a little bit. But now we're gonna see all of the kind of most interesting ways that he can evade capture and death. And so when they begin, so what, what does he do? He throws a rock at a landmine to mm-hmm. blow it up to create a a dust storm right. so he can't be seen. And then he starts throwing landmines like frisbees, hitting the Nazis in the head one at a time and just blowing them to smithereens. He also turns into Captain America for a very brief moment where he yes. uses his gold oh, pan. The gold pan as a shield. As a yeah. shield. Yeah. This was very, I mean, this this could have passed for a, a superhero movie at moments. Oh, absolutely. That, I was going to say, so, the, the, you know, before Joe decided I was done, I was saying, <laughs> we, we, you know, you're on thin I, ice. So I think element, every word. I thought it was his birthday. Think, you have the Western there, right? You, you have um, the war film. You also have, I think, to a certain extent, the superhero movie in play mm-hmm. here because that's essentially what this character is. He becomes a superhero, or he is a superhero. We learn how much of a superhero the he is. The mythology of him. Um, and, and how he's just, is. you know, they say at various times, is he immortal? No, he just refuses, refuses to, to die. die. And right. that, you know, But the idea is that every time you see something, I mean, he literally hangs from a post oh, overnight. Gross. And and supposedly is able to keep himself just enough above the noose by hooking his wound on his arm on a nail and it keeping him hoisted just enough that it doesn't cut off the circulation in the way that it would need to kill him. So he survives overnight hanging. David, he's underwater and they're waiting for him to come up so they can shoot him when his head comes up above water. And when he doesn't come up for too long that a human could ever stay underneath, right. they start sending Nazis in one at a time where he slits their throats and then bring, takes breathes the, air out the of their oxygen lungs. Out, yeah. out of their lungs through the new slit hole. Yeah. And, 
and the the commanding officers just keeps like sending more people in there because eventually he can't he will have to kill him eventually yeah it's uh, and then of course the final face off between he and the commanding officer where um we learned that no I, I will not be killed yeah. so there was a very uh, split second of a moment that I was like oh shit is this actually a vampire movie when he's underwater because I just didn't even can like my brain didn't put right. together he's gonna suck the air out I was like, why is he kissing that dude? No, he's not kissing that dude. And then the, the audio he kind of... Neck yeah. I was like, oh. But there was a, a very split moment there. I was like, um, what is about to happen here? Yeah. Like, is this about to get weirder than I expected? But Yeah, and it does. And eventually, I mean, not even eventually. The first couple of killings, in the very first killing, he puts his, just rams his Bowie knife right through the guy's head. Yeah. And that's just gory and kind cool and temple, yeah. and it shocks you and okay, this is the ride that we're going on. Okay. He delicately, I assume, pulls a landmine out of the ground and then throws it like a frisbee at a dude. That's inventive. But now we're staying underwater for twenty minutes while by sucking the air out of the wounds <laughs> of other people. It does eventually, of course, clearly get to a place like John Wick where this is silly fantasy right but it's just done so well and i guess it's the setting yeah the world war ii setting it's not modern day it's that western motif it's the chapter layout you mentioned the uh girls the nazis i guess it's the thing nazis do or did is they had a truckload of women that are probably being very mistreated uh, at the whim. Well, we see, yeah, yeah being sexually right. assaulted, mm-hmm. I mean, raped by these. And Nazis. then they get a revenge moment or two that is just applause worthy and a slow walk with the women all carrying their machine guns. And then now we're in Tarantino territory. I hate to say that, as if he's got some kind of trademark or stamp on this kind of. <laughs> hey, like, women can be badass with anybody, okay? But my God, it was, it just kept getting better and better and better, this movie did. I want to. I want to make sure when we talk about the women, they they have very few lines. Mimosa yeah. is the is the lead woman the lead, there. Yeah. Which, by the way, what a name, Mimosa. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, you know, so they all have very, very, very little dialogue, but they are so distinct in between them. Like when you even like the mannerisms, the way that they were walking, like you could tell their personalities. I just want to give those girls like, you know, some some props there because oh, you could tell which ones were the shy one, which one was you know kind of disgruntled but you know not as shy just by the i mean just the way they were acting in the, the truck, body language everything yeah. and i was like for such small amount of screen time and no words spoken like i felt like i knew which girl in that group was which girl like i yeah. could see my friend group in there i'm like oh okay but uh yeah the ladies were my favorite they were great and and they were a recurring presence in there so you know like we see them early on and we see them throughout and mm-hmm. they kind of become part of our barometer of how this squad is doing how much control they're maintaining yeah. over their women mm-hmm. captives and then eventually when the tide fully turns and yeah. they actually kind of take control from them great scene where she pulls up alongside the other truck yes. and, <laughs> and then the they just the tarp comes up and the rest of the squad's <laughs> back there and they just open fire on this yeah. nazi uh you know transport truck uh it, it was beautiful i mean it was it you know this is a movie that i think i, I enjoyed a lot too i think it's um it I don't, although seeing it after seeing Point Break and Roadhouse, I mean, there is kind of a, and I've always said, there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. If you love it, you love it, just enjoy it and don't don't apologize for it. But there is that part of me that I think as I get older, especially, that I do feel bad sometimes about how much joy I take in violence on screen sometimes. And so there, there is, I don't know if I should call it guilt, but there's a shame factor okay. involved, I guess. And <laughs> that should I be enjoying this thing so much, but when it's killing Nazis, mm-hmm. it feels about as pure as it can get in terms of the joy. Have you seen that meme where it says that whenever a man turns 35, he has to choose between being really interested in world war two or smoking various meats. <laughs> like <laughs> you have to choose like I, when are the, History oh. Channel on all yes. of the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I should be a textbook case of that, but somehow I have avoided both of those. I still, I, I love smoked meats, and I watch historical fiction I mean, about World War Two. <laughs> we should add in beer because that's okay. its own that thing. Craft so beer, let's absolutely. add a third category. Yeah, no, I've made my choice. Okay, all right. Just to be is clear. thrift shopping is that one of the things that we could do? Because are uh, you Macklemore? I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing that up in after hours. After hours is our uh, way that you can listen to a bonus 
bonus episode every week and support us financially with a very few dollars a month. You get a bonus episode every week after hours. What, um, what? I was really curious to see Dave because Kaylee and I left the theater. I said, I know you know how I feel about this. And she goes, but we're not allowed to talk about it. I said, nope. So we just went our separate ways. We did. We like walked in the parking lot. We're like, and, and well, then, bye. And then you jumped on, uh, was it Discord? or yeah. the, the, And we're like. All of it. Oh, everybody needs to go see this movie. I love this movie. I well, know this breaks I, the rules. Yeah. It's like on our Discord, which you can also join. That doesn't cost you anything. And it's a lot of fun. It's. Um, I know I'm breaking BAM rules, so you know I'm serious. Ba- uh, if you're a Corpus Christi resident where we yeah. record out of, it's only here for three more days. Right. And today is the last day. I think yeah. there's a showing tonight, and it's going to be probably be gone, yeah. uh, making room for Fast X, because it needs every bit of real estate it can possibly <laughs> get. Um, and then I did. I went on the beer in a movie. No, no, I guess my personal uh, Instagram, Facebook, yeah. whatever, and just said, go see this corpus christi while you can yeah. because you're going to regret it if you watch it on on your small screen this is a big screen film the cinematography is gorgeous yeah. the action set pieces are large airplanes are involved yeah. at the end etc and it just like i said keeps building on itself and building on itself and the meek women meek because they've they're, they're sitting there you know with their captors about to be abused again probably become victorious at the end and and yes, then of course, C- and then Sam Sisu gets to the bank and says, "Can I cash this in for bills?" This is the only line of dialogue. Can I cash these in for bills? It would be a lot easier to carry. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so good. That Payoff. was, that was my perfect ending. I so actually good. went home and I told Anthony because I have feelings about our other film and how it ended, and uh-huh. I was like, "No, this was perfect. This oh, was like good. it was so." I mean, not silly. Obviously, we've got gore and, and body parts are flying everywhere. Uh, but there is kind of like that Rambo ridiculousness to it that I'm like, okay, it's fine. And then just to have such a simple end, like we, it just tied everything up. The girls escaped. The Nazis were dead. I just need to cash in because I made it the 564 miles to this bank. May I please get bills, please? Yeah. And the dog is sitting in the sidecar and the motorcycle outside. That's and, um, right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's a perfect ending. It's perfect. You're, you're, it was you're perfect right. for you're me. Right. It, everything was tied up in a neat little bow. We just saw John Wick 4. It's superior to it for me. Uh, same kind of you know, f- I think this is a tighter concept. rendering, yeah. And I like that it's not... I mean, I don't think this is poised to create some narrative universe where mm. we're going to be mm-hmm. seeing... Yeah, though you could. The prequels. You could definitely... I was going to say, like, that we've heard that he killed 300 Russian soldiers. We've heard that he's... You know, and... Could we not have those films? We probably could. And I, and I think this has been doing pretty well internationally, but I don't think it's doing the kind of numbers that would necessarily push it to be. So I hope it doesn't. I mean, honestly, like, I like the idea that this is contained. It's 90 minutes, right? We've talked about running time a lot lately, and yeah. I think that, that there's a reason, right? There are times when a film, I think, has earned the um, right to stick around a little longer. It's maybe got something more complicated to say or it really wants to do something with a character arc or what you know, like there's justification for it. But sometimes it's just bloat, right? And it's so nice to go in and see this where I felt fully satisfied, right? The story they start out telling, they complete, as you said, mm-hmm. Kaylee, they bring you to a perfect conclusion. Um, and at that point, you're just fully satisfied. There's no need to put other stuff. Like, I don't care that I didn't get the Nazi backstories. Maybe I should. I don't know. But in this case, I don't. I don't care that I don't get a whole lot of his backstory other than what they tell each other as these kind of legendary tales right. to yeah. kind of, oh, you realize he's known as. Uh, what was the name again that uh, they gave him? Oh, his character name is actually Atami Atami. No, 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 no. Like the legendary name. Oh, that they oh, oh Sam Sisu? I don't know. <laughs> Sam Sisu. Koshai. Yeah. That's right. Koshai, Koshai yeah. So, because I know we, we kind of skipped over where, um, so he, he takes the landmine, he throws it, and like that's the first moment where I'm like, okay, he's got to have some kind of military experience because he's handling this right. mine. Um, and then when he actually gets blown off the horse on another landmine, his dog tag falls off. And so the, you know, the Nazi soldiers then like, hey, we're going to go get the gold. This is the guy. Who is that? And the, the higher officers are like, Fuck no, bro! Don't mess with that. Yeah, no, you, you turn around. You, you don't, don't go. Up, don't pursue that. You leave. And yeah. this, and it ties into the next movie because at the, I mean, we've already said it's Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. When we get to the end, they're like, "Oh, well, the war's almost over. Like, I want this. I want this. I want this." This Nazi officer is saying, "Dude, if we go back, we're gonna get hung. We're gonna go get this guy's gold because the war's almost over. Right. And we and have to have. And we're losing. This is all. This right. is the this only is our thing we ticket can do. to some kind of future. Right. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting that you guys chose these two to go. You know, 
for for whatever it's reason. It's all came very up. well thought out, Kelly. <laughs> it is. I mean, I commend you. Well, as soon as it, and it, the chapters, I mean, like the, there was, as soon as it started unfolding with the chapter titles, mm-hmm. the western stuff, I was like, oh man, this like c- clearly right. I mean, and I haven't read interviews. I really, I meant to after I saw the film. I just didn't have time this weekend. Um, to read uh, if Hellander had come out and said that he was inspired yeah. by Tarantino. But it feels like he, and, and I know he made a film with Sam Jackson before this mm-hmm. one. So, I mean, he's got to have some interest in Tarantino and have been uh, at least influenced, if not paying homage in, sure. a, in a very overt way. Now, did the chapter titles, um, I, I don't remember exactly, but they wore down over time, right? Like each chapter was a little more broken than the one before in the font. I think that you're Did right. Did you notice that? Yeah. I think you, Especially I think that fifth right. one is when I it noticed, was, was that crack in all yeah, of them prior? Yeah, the first yeah. one was very prim. It was very, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. the kerning was great. There were no cracks and then it, it started to deteriorate. Well, so and then also it. that final one, like, you know, the, the other ones are all like the, you know, like the gold, mm-hmm. the Nazis, the minefield, yeah. the legend. Uh-huh. And then we get to scorched earth we don't get the definite article there. We just get scorched earth. And then it's kill them all. Yeah. A, a, you know, reference to the classic Metallica sure. debut album, I'm assuming, that, that uh, Hellander put in there for us. Yeah, it's... Uh, I hate Metallica. Uh, I'm you, sorry. You're right, too. You're okay. right, too. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with making enemies. I, we, we can talk after hours. I have affection for, <laughs> for the first five or so albums because of my age and when I was growing. Oh. But, you know, it's it's hard to disentangle from that, yeah. Okay, before we get too far from Scorched Earth, though, because yeah. the first time that Joe talked during the movie... Just letting that have a moment. Yeah, I was. I, I was um, we're no, we're going to have to <laughs> take him to task here for uh, breaking movie theater protocol. What did I? What, what did I do? What? He's saying I, he. You talked during the movie several times. I, I know that I. And at he was one on his point, phone. At one point, <laughs> I, I, well, I've got a. I've got an unattended daughter, and I did it very sneakily. But at one point, I gave. I gave <laughs> so Ken, sneakily that the woman sitting next to you saw you do it. Uh, she was just watching my every move. But I, I elbowed her. I think probably a little too hard when some some body oh part flew off, and I was just <laughs> laughing so loud. Oh yeah. Well, when the when the movie first started, uh, we we have the map. And it was like the first thing he goes, oh, I love a good map. <laughs> I said, I love a World War II movie that starts that. with a that's map. Like the thing, I, I get it if it's like, my God, that's like my grandmother on this. How did they get this image? Like there are moments where <laughs> justify it, But <laughs> that? I love I a good I map. I was, I was very comfortable with Kaylee. I like Kaylee I very know. much. And I felt like I was in a living but room situation. comfortable with you two being I don't know. She well. had a space between her and then a guy right on the other seat, you know, next oh. over. And then I did say, move this popcorn to the other side of you because I'm going to eat the yeah, whole no. tub. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I was having a good time, Kaylee. I'm sorry. I oh, no, really you didn't. You. I, I went. I was surprised because I, you know, I think the, both of us, both batches of us, mm-hmm. saw it in this period where I think the first week it was there in the theater. It was getting kind of regular, like four or five showings throughout yeah. the day. But then they kept it for a second week. But it came down to maybe one we, or two and showings weird times. per day. And generally, it was either the very early morning or the very late at night. So I went with early morning. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. You know, I went for like, I think mine was at 11. And I was surprised. It was, I think I went on Thursday. And at 11 a.m., there was almost like half full theater. Fantastic. Which w- was really surprising. So I, I feel like there probably is some kind of word of mouth has to going on on this. Because like you say, I didn't see the trailer for this. Um, it was really Kyle, I think, mentioning it on the Discord. Yeah. That brought it to me. Oh yeah, I've seen that title when I looked well, at the well, Cinemark listings. What I, I is that? Knew, I knew that Finnish uh, fin, uh, Finnish uh, uh, foreign film was not gonna be in our theater. We didn't even look. Right. I didn't even look. Right. And I was like, whoa, whoa, see Sue's here. We've already done Point Break, that's fine. Yeah. And I was happy and that was fun. Yeah. But uh, it's gonna be here for a second week, so let's yeah. do it. So anyway, but going to see it at that early showing, still seeing a lot of people there, it was pretty good. Although I did have to contend with, I think for the first time, you know how we do, cause you, you book the actual seat you're mm-hmm. gonna sit in. And for the first time since I had done that, there was a guy just sitting in my seat. Oh, and, 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 and there you can't were, sit with us. And he wasn't even, well, the thing was like, and I checked actually before going in, because I'm like, oh, I wonder if anybody purchased seats right around yeah. me. Does it like, and nobody even had a seat in that row at all. 
but he decided to sit there. So I had oh. to gently ask the gentleman, I'm like, I, I got that one. Because I get the middle of the I aisle I would have just sat on his lap. No, and just well, been like, mm, now we're both old. uncomfortable. No, old. I'm not either. Anthony would have a fit. Um, <laughs> I will say, when you when when I first got the message, like, oh, go see My Brain Red Sisu. And I was like, oh, man, did Raya and the Last Dragon get a spinoff movie? Oh, that like, sounds... I was like, how adorable. They're, they're bringing me on like they promised for a fun, cute movie. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> We're killing Did Nazis. We promise fun and cute. We just promised you not promised depressing. You promised me cocaine bear. Oh. And then it didn't happen. Dang. And you brought and you know, just saying. <laughs> well, just we'll, we we can get over this, I'm sure. <laughs> well, we'll just have another beer. We'll be fine. That's right. Well, so I, I feel like we've, we've covered a lot of ground here with Sisu. We're we're all saying this is a film that people should check out. If you like action, if you like comedy, it does have a fair amount of comedy. And if you like seeing Nazis being dispatched with, this in, is a film glorious for you. brutality, right? Absolutely. So, um, in a great and again, like Joe said, we only get one line of dialogue uh, from Yorma Tomia Tomila or whatever. He, he's it fantastic, right? I mean, like he's in the the women, like you said, they get very few lines, mm-hmm. but they're great. It's really a film about you know people acting with their bodies and like Mm -hmm. again the action all that the nazis do get lines and they're mostly you know kind of comic book character evil baddie lines but that's all you really want in a film like this i don't think you 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 get to see our lead uh yell a lot as he stitches himself up and pulls bullets from himself and closes up uh uh, knife wounds with metal wire tie Uh, yeah yeah he used uh, uh he just stuck a burning match into one of his wounds he's like yeah. a trying MacGyver to it. doctor yeah. for himself as well yeah. Yeah. fantastic Amazing. I loved it loved it will it be in my top five at the end of the year uh, am I gonna make that call the way that uh, David called that um, everything everywhere all at once would be his favorite movie of yeah. the year when he saw it earlier in last year we'll see you're not ready to make that call. I, no. I wouldn't be either. You should right? make the call in After Hours. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. We'll see how I do far. have some fun stuff for After Hours Ooh. about this film, but Ooh. it'll take us too far off topic. Okay. okay. So I'm going to save it for the, uh, for the After Hours. Well, staying on topic, we enjoyed the Warsteiner German Pilsner 4.8 ABV. You're right, David. It was crystal clear exactly the way you want a Pilsner to pour. Not, yeah. Not any kind of cloudy in it. Now, you are a Pilsner guy. Yeah. Unabashedly. I'd love to hear your opinion first. For me as a Pilsner drinker, th- this is absolutely fantastic. And, I, and I've and i only recently, because I didn't watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, I've only recently been made aware that uh, at least some people who listen to the podcast joke about me being, I, I think, some character from that show has a recur like his character trait and it's about how boring he is is that he likes pilsners that's right. like his whole his whole thing is that he likes uh-huh. so so i'm a boring guy i like my boring beer but this nails boring beer beautifully yeah. <laughs> i could be bored to tears of joy by drinking this beer all the time i love this pilsner i think this does it exactly the way i want it that's beautiful yeah well thank you yeah um i it wasn't bad we know you like the darker beers i do like darker beers but this was easy to drink though this didn't have it was i feel like with a with a lot of the ones that are like this color um which i guess isn't helpful but uh it always has like a weird like bittery aftertaste no it is helpful this is a light um, light beer it yeah, is very yeah. light it looked i mean it was lighter than apple juice like yeah. it was yeah. it was it was Absolutely. very usually i feel like they leave kind of almost like a skunky yeah. like feeling in my mouth and i don't really feel like yeah very this clean did that. Very it was clean. yeah crisp clean you could damage yourself at a Oktoberfest kind of situation just drinking this because it's going to go down so smooth yeah that 4.8 is going to trick you, you might drink like After four or five two of liters boots. yeah then yeah. you're going to yeah boot uh, I want to drink a boot I really do uh, I gotta you've do never that. drank out of a I boot I never drank out of a boot oh. I've seen boots at, up in the top shelf at the dusty up at the you know yeah the, okay so now I have place. to find a beer boot <laughs> I can bring it in for my next visit just don't wear it that, oh my yeah. gosh uh, I'm but, Cinderella I'm just okay. my little glass slipper uh, Pilsners aren't my favorite, but this is a f- damn fine Pilsner. And I know, I, I, I just, even though it's not my favorite, I know that yeah, drinking. Yeah. It's so crisp, so yeah. clean. And you can tell that the simplicity that they use to make it just comes through on the flavor and the drinkability. Yeah. So Warsteiner, Golden Pilsner. Yeah. I mean, I, I would easily sit back in any, uh, any pub in Europe and, and drink this stuff. Maybe while I was waiting to meet some uh, people in a 
special secret rendezvous? Oh. Well, we'll find out more about that after the break. We're back. We're back. Welcome back. I was in Houston this past weekend, and I want to give a shout out to this little beer store I found called D&Q Beer Station. On Instagram, they are at The Beer Station. And if you're at our Instagram, uh, we, I gave them a little shout out. It's It was like a Disneyland kind of experience, and I was <laughs> I could only stay for just a few minutes, and, and I just started throwing things in a bag. Uh, in, in their basket shopping cart but i knew we were doing two world war ii themes set in germany or europe themed films so i wanted to do two german beers this week and um so if you're in houston or if you're on instagram the beer station or dnq beer station go by there it's fantastic but this beer bottle looked so german that i just picked it up and they had a couple of different varieties i got the doppelbach but I'm going to use my uh, iPad yeah, here to help uh, pronounce this thing. Mm-hmm. And by the way, D and Q is the one I was. I was thinking you were probably talking about the one that I know I had been to, and uh, that is a great little beer. So, and it's very unassuming. It looks like it's you know a convenience store. An old convenience outside, store, yeah, yeah right. Um, but it, but it really <laughs> is. <laughs> Rock beer is the brewery. Okay. And um, <laughs> if you just look at that bottle, I mean, it just looks, I mean, it's, oh, it's yeah. German script, German text. I can't read this, but Doppelbach is in clear English. Yeah. And underneath that, it says Schlenkeria Oak Smoke, product of Germany. And so I just, uh, I looked it up. It is a uh, 8% ABV, while for the classic Echt Schlicher Rock beer traditionally beach has traditionally beach has been and used the This is not written well. <laughs> Given this uh, brewery, traditionally beach, beach wood, B E C H has been and still is used the malt for uh, the Schlenkeria oak smoke kilned with oak wood. The resulting Schlenkeria oak smoke malt has a smoother and more multi-layered smoky note than the intensely aromatic beech bitterness. So we are looking at uh, amber color, matures for months in the 14th century brewery cellars into a special treat for smoke beer lovers. It's a smoked Doppelbach. We'll see. I don't know. How do you feel about smoked beers usually? Uh, I've had good ones and I've had some that it's like a little... uh, I got it, David. Uh, we're looking for a bottle opener. I keep one on my keychain. Uh, I've had good and bad. What about you? Yeah, uh, I'd say mostly bad. I, I it has not generally been something. Oh, a little active there. Um, not generally been a beer style like Rausch beers that that I gravitate towards. But I'm excited to try this one. I'm always excited to try a new beer. So well, thank I, you, Joe. I for, thought it would be a fantastic pairing with our movie. We're a bunch of and the label is great. You're right. It, it's it looks very old country. It's very, uh, you know, you'd see this on the shelf of some pub that you walk into. Do they call them pubs in Germany? What, what, what uh, do they call them in Germany? I don't know, but it looks like it could be a movie prop for. There you go. I mean, it looks like it could be in that basement uh, yeah. tavern. Tavern is what they say, right? Um, well, I thought it'd be a good pairing because a bunch of Nazis get smoked in the film. Nazi oh, there stuff. you go. Look at that. He brought it around. Um, well, thank you, Joe. And I'm excited. Take a, uh, take a whiff. I mean, I can oh, smell it from boy. here. It smells, oh, boy. It smells like the way you do after you've been like sleeping by a campfire. Oh, or, yeah, or yeah. like you're hanging out by the barbecue pit. Or, yeah. Yeah, if you were a 35-year-old man that chose smoking meat, right. this right. is what well, you would you smell know, like. You, you, you pass by them when you go into it's a barbecue restaurant. You, know? <laughs> you could smell like this all of the time. I'm very curious to see yeah. what this tastes like and what we say about it at the well, end yeah. of our review of 
Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. That's right, Joe. Um, and what a what a perfect pairing we have here because, like I said, so many elements that are present in this film are certainly present in Sisu. Um, and, and if there's not an overt direct connection between them, I'd be surprised, meaning that if the director hadn't been thinking of that. But nonetheless, the, the film that we think, or I think he was having in mind when he was writing his film is this 2009 Quentin Tarantino film. Um, it came, was this, was this the one right after Death Proof? This, the, yes. I was going to say, because so he, this was kind of him on the rebound, because Death Proof is about as bad as it ever got for him in terms of a film's reception. I tried to see that one, oh, and yeah. I didn't have an ID, and I wasn't old enough, and they wouldn't let me in the oh, theater, so funny. I had to go see Blades oh. of Glory instead. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that this one came out after I graduated high school, so that's the only, I'm like, mm, yeah, oh, wow. I know it comes after, because I could actually see this one. That's funny. Um, well, so because I, I kind of remember that. I remember that coming out at a, a if not precarious, at least a questionable moment. Like, has this guy who came out in the 90s and really had this string of films that really wowed audiences. Jackie Brown would be maybe the other dip. I think it's a fantastic. It maybe is my favorite of his films, to be honest. Hmm. But with the audience, it didn't do quite as well. Came back with Kill Bill, had that other dip with Death Proof. But then with this one, I think... At least critically, and uh, and in box office returns, yeah. hit it out of the park again with this story about Nazi revenge. Right? Um, we we come at it from a few different directions, as is Tarantino's style. Often, he likes to kind of break things up and give us these little moments where he builds one character and then he builds the other character and then he brings them together later on. He divides it up into chapters. Um, that opening chapter, of course, being one of the most famous. Um, Tarantino's I mean yeah. we can say that almost about every scene in this film but certainly one of the most famous where we yeah, have the interrogation scene between Colonel Hans Landa played by Christoph Waltz who was relatively unknown to American yeah. audiences at that time um, had been a had a big career in Germany but um, but you know Tarantino kind of brought him into this and he was absolutely iconic in that role it's hard Agreed. to think of him without that um, you know playing this the, the Jew Hunter, right, is the, is the title that Londa has been given because he's out there searching the French countryside to turn up every single Jewish person who may be trying to hide and escape the Nazi justice yeah. that's coming their way. And he loves that title. He, he does. He earned it. Yes. He said so. Right, right. Um, so we, we have the tense opening chapter where we define that character and we see him actually start his relationship, which he doesn't even realize he's starting maybe. Um, with Shoshana, who is the escaped uh, Jewish woman who is able to, you know, though the rest of her family perishes at Londa's hands, sort of is able to flee. Yeah. Um, we catch up with her later through subsequent chapters where she has years, you know, years from then, because I think it's 41 to 44 we jump. So okay. we go mm-hmm. about three years. She's gotten a little older. We know she was in her late teens, so she's probably early 20s. And is now running a movie theater with a uh, with a partner, mm-hmm. and becomes the object of attention of a young Nazi officer. Well, no, Nazi enlisted man actually. And he's a um, creep. Who is a creep? He's yeah. a creep. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but as a parallel to that, right, and and what really gets set up in the second chapter is this squadron of American soldiers, Jewish American soldiers, largely, with the exception of their commander. Aldo Rain, played by Brad Pitt in one of his iconic performances, um, where they are set up to be essentially a Nazi death squad. They are going behind enemy lines into Nazi-occupied France, and they are taking out as many Nazis with no mercy as they possibly can, only sparing the lives of of a very select few who they can leave to tell the tales of with a Nazi uh, swastika That's right. carved into their forehead. That's Ooh. right, leaving his uh, sort of permanent mark because when the war is over, you can take off that uniform. I don't like my Nazis to be without uniform. <laughs> um, so we have those two parties, right? Shoshana, the Jewish woman who's escaped, who obviously has a huge vendetta against Landa and the entire Nazi party. Mm-hmm. We have... The Inglorious Bastards, composed of Jewish-American soldiers who are out without mercy to take down as many Nazis as they possibly can. And they converge on two separately hatched plans 
to actually take out the leadership of the Nazi party in all one fell swoop by torching a movie theater or, or exploding, bl blowing up a movie theater at the premiere of a Nazi propaganda film starring that man who had gotten sort of interested in Shoshana. It's an intricate web is. of different relationships, but all played out really um, in, you know, sort of classic Tarantino style with lots of humor and vivacity and... Um, a Western score, largely. Western score at times, <laughs> right? He uses quite a bit of Ennio Morricone and he, yeah. right? Um, that, uh, you know, sort of comes together in this package that, again, really impressed audiences. I saw it in the theater when it came out. I remember um, going. It was uh, it, it was a, a joyous thing where it was like, okay, he's bad. You know, I like Death Proof, but <laughs> I was glad to, <laughs> glad to see him resonating with the audience again. And, um, and, it, and it felt really sort of uplifting. But I don't know if I had really returned to this. I know I had watched little scenes here and there. Uh-huh. Certainly the introduction of the bastard scene, I I think maybe I'd caught on cable at some point a few years back. Um, the Londa interrogation scene yeah. at the beginning, I had watched again at some point. But I don't think I had sat down and watched the entire thing all the way through until this past weekend when I watched it for getting ready to talk. Yeah, I have told the story a couple of times. I'll tell the abbreviated version in uh, <clears throat> when Beer in a Movie first began. It was <laughs> David, me... And Ethan Thompson, who comes on every once in a while, Ethan uh, decided to, to not do it full time. But he and I, prior, had had a movie podcast back when podcasts were almost just getting started over at Apple Podcasts. And for whatever reason, we got our name up at that like featured stuff. And we had a big... Well, there big, just weren't that many around. You're right. And there was, we had a big audience and we were able to, with a lot of hustle get onto lists for screeners and uh, they would invite us out for to LA or New York or Chicago for uh, press premieres. Yeah. But we didn't live in New York, Chicago, <laughs> or LA. We got invited to the Inglorious Bastards one. We were like, all right, let's go. Everyone, let's uh, pool our Southwest miles. Let's find a cheap place to go. We got to go to the Four Seasons and enter and see. we got to see the movie at the press screening. With uh, a little red carpet of not Tarantino wasn't there, but Christoph Waltz was there, Eli Roth, and then the next day we got to interview. Uh -huh. It was great. It was so I mean, it was just a kind of dream bubble yeah. floating around. We saw Tarantino at a distance. We rode an elevator with Harvey Weinstein. We before he, before <laughs> before we knew everything he was up to. Um, and we had an interview, sit down interview with Lawrence Binder. That is a weird thing that you have to see the Weinstein title card here. Yeah, I I had thoughts. I was like, um, I'm pretty sure the last time I was there, um, it was the women's episode, and we talked about Weinstein. Yeah, and now sure. they're making me watch a Weinstein movie. Uh, well, well, well. Full okay, circle. so we I apologize. did not love <laughs> Inglorious Bastards when I first saw it at that press screening. Oh, okay. I loved it when I caught up with it again on DVD okay, probably okay. Um, and I've grown to really love it and I visit that interrogation scene it's on YouTube right now just type in opening scene in Glorious Bastards it's 18-19 minutes of perfect tension yeah and when and we could just spend an hour talking about that scene uh, do you mind if I smoke my pipe of course we're in your home <laughs> nothing but charm and then five minutes later can I smoke my pop pipe and he pulls out from underneath his jacket <laughs> The biggest pipe a human could pr oh, could, yeah, could produce yeah, yeah. comically large. I remember. I do remember laughing. Oh, yeah. very loudly. Right. And, and we don't, but we don't know this actor. Yeah, yet yeah, right, Christoph right. Waltz. But I mean, yeah, a turn making. Well, uh, and he's so chipper, and so like I mean, but it's then just he turns such a cold contrast. as steel. Well, yes, absolutely, yes. and he and he's he's able to kind of just turn it on a dime and then turn it right back, right? Like now I'm going to speak to you in English, and, and they, or now and, I'm going to speak to you in French, and, and we're going to pretend as if exactly. Do, do not yeah. uh, do not give away my masquerade. Yeah, anyway, yes. it was so so good. Um, and you're right, the weaving aspect, the idea that Brad Pitt gives a fantastic performance when sometimes I don't think that he does and in a, his and films. And a silly one, too. Like, I mean, I remember, again, first seeing him on screen as that character when he opens his mouth and he has that ridiculous southern accent. Kentucky, I guess, is what he's yeah. going for. Does he say he's from Kentucky? I think he sounds like my brother mixed with George Clooney from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. And I couldn't, I was just, the whole time I'm like, that sounds like my brother. Yeah. But I'm, we're not from Kentucky, but they have very similar silly voices. So. That's funny. Sorry, Jared. You sound like an idiot. 
<laughs> well, I, but but like a, a, a fun to listen to idiot. Yeah, I, you no, know, no. I, I, like is, I like hearing Aldo Rain, but so it is silly. such a particular. It's a particular accent, a particular <laughs> delivery that he has. He's honestly, he's my favorite character. I say, I, I when I say he sounds like an idiot, it's just like it's almost an endearing kind of like. Well, the, I mean, like, when oh he, gosh. you know, when they go to the premiere <laughs> and he's speaking in Italian, oh. it is. Easily some of the funniest stuff. But do you know ever in a Tarantino film? Do you know what his name was uh, when they go to the theater? Oh, I can't remember what was what was he calling it's, himself? Oh, I, I, it's it's Enzo something. Yeah, something. what what? It's the director from the original Inglorious. Oh Masters. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's his birth name. It was right. one of those like little nod Easter eggs. Uh, <laughs> I, I went to Wikipedia. Um, Rain is a coal miner and bootlegger from the Great Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. Tennessee, oh. that's right. Where he fought against the Ku Klux Klan. He survived a lynching, which is I guess his backstory. That's the next, that's the scar, next yeah. scar. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, so it was. Um, like I said, Brad Pitt doing a performance where sometimes I find Brad Pitt to be a little lackluster uh, when he when he's in lead. It's when he gets silly that I enjoy Brad Pitt the most. Yeah, this I was, agree. This is my first time not seeing him as like uh, heartthrobby. I think. Oh yeah. Or, I mean, like Seven was a whole different experience. That was not a heartthrob movie. But no, um, but he at, still looks handsome. But he's handsome. Yeah. Like at nineteen, um, you know, my experience thus far is. Oh, half the girls I knew had him on their posters on yeah. their wall like you know he was oh my god so dreamy and then he's just like killing Nazis <laughs> and I was like oh, okay this is a this is a character switch for me but I'm about it okay okay yeah yeah it, it it's just you know the, the performances get stacked upon one another yeah. in this way that you know you forget like I said having not watched it all the way through for a few years I forgot, I mean, I, I remember that the tavern scene was great, but I forgot how much I enjoyed watching that unfold as it unfolds, mm-hmm. as the suspense kind of ratchets yeah. up, and you're wondering, okay, how deep are they going to go? Are they going to be able to get out of it? Um, Fastbender does a great job, and yeah. he's only on screen for maybe 15 minutes, <laughs> right? right? But right. The but, tavern scene off-puts some people because it feels very out of place and not very um, plot-driving. Well, it's, it is it is kind of a standout, yeah. and I totally... I mean, I enjoy the, it very much. Rain does put her uh, to the fire on the, like, why would you stage a rendezvous? <laughs> like, this is the most ridiculous way of staging this sort of thing, and she doesn't answer it. But, it, it you know, I think at that... I, I think on that level, Tarantino knows I'm building this implausible scene in because it's going to be a great scene and it's going to be a lot of fun. And you want to see this unfold this way, even though it makes no sense in the world for her to want to rendezvous in a public place like that, that yeah. they would be encountering other Nazi officers. Um, Samuel L. Jackson shows up to narrate. Now, <laughs> oh, that, yeah. that always gives you I a forgot. chuckle. Harvey Keitel. Now, bo- that was, I remember, you know, you were saying that you didn't know if you loved it. I knew I really liked it when I first saw it, but I had a few, like, asterisks on that mm-hmm. like one of them was did we need to have the Hugo Stiglitz um, backstory through the Samuel yeah, L. Jackson Yeah I assume you're going to get the backstory of all of them in a similar fashion. But no it's just a one off. Right. They do it and Stiglitz is a standout character mm-hmm. at least in terms of his backstory. I'm glad we get to learn that but I wasn't entirely sure why would you do that. Watching it now I just kind of accept it and it, but it feels like uh, Kind of like the tavern scene. It feels like a little bit of a Tarantino, like, I'm just going to pull rank. I can do this stuff, folks. Right. Like, if I, if I want to be funny and silly and, you know, bring in this, like, ridiculous introduction that fits in a different film altogether. Hugo, right? Hugo? Hugo? Yeah, Hugo Stiglitz. So yeah. he, he was notoriously will not play Nazis. Oh, He's the German-born actor. Oh, the guy who actually played yeah, the character? Yeah, so he, oh, his, okay. the actor himself has been offered uh, Nazi positions in all these films because killing Nazis never goes out of style. We're going to be having no. Nazi movies forever. Um, but he would not play a Nazi character because he's like, no, I'm German. I'm, you know, don't want to reflect on that. And the only reason he accepted this position when he was approached for it is because, because he was, he was a killing Nazi. Killer. Nazi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was, I was like, oh, okay, all right, I got you, Bill. <laughs> I'll do that. I'll do that. Yeah, um... You know, so there are those moments. I think the Keitel cameo, I think, is as much 
more subtly done and and mm-hmm. I like that right because he's the the voice on the other end of the the radio when right. they're when he's being uh, when Rain is being told like the deal with Walt mm-hmm. is real you know like yeah. we're going to do this yeah Office of Strategic Services Commander there you go is his title thank you fancy um and then of course the double cross um or I don't even know if it's a double cross it's just Rain Brad Pitt doing what he wants to do uh, they make a deal that the Execution of Hitler and Goebbels and all you know all of those high-ranking officials can occur. I, I I won't thwart the plan if you give me safe passage and you know other things, kind of like our commander trying to take mm-hmm. that gold and mm-hmm. just move on to greener pastures, knowing that the war is at an end. Uh, but no, we're gonna go ahead and scalp the guy that's <laughs> the, the driver, and we're gonna go ahead and put a, a Nazi tattoo scar on your forehead which of course he exclaims the last line of the film that's my masterpiece <laughs> it's a it's a beautiful movie i love i love this movie i don't like it i love it now i'm curious because kaylee you kind of alluded to the end of this film not being satisfying to you yeah did i okay. pick that up right or so wrong? i mean i'm gonna be i'll be really honest i don't really love war movies um, Fair. I'm just, it's, it's one of those, like, you know, I, it wasn't what I chose. I haven't hit 35 and I'm not a man. That wasn't my, my choice. <laughs> um, I just, I, I tend to, to shy away from war movies because I have to think so much. I don't want to think that much. I want to be entertained. So this I do, one doesn't force you to think too it hard doesn't though. Think too hard. So, but like in general war movies, I start to think like, okay, well it's this country and then there's this country, but this one's doing this. And I love a well done map. Like yeah, that gives me the, like a good map. We know you don't just don't exactly, say it out loud. You, you don't shout it out, but you enjoy it. I do. I silently. That's what mean you don't it. enjoy it. I shout it. You know? <laughs> the, but, they have a sign up at the theater now that says, "Do not allow this man into films that show maps." Do not loudly appreciate. Um, so I, I want to see the new Indiana Jones, and they're not going to let me. <laughs> no, it's just with more movies, I tend to get a little caught up in like the details of like, okay, what's actually happening? What's yeah, accurate? Yeah, yeah. What's that? So I did enjoy that this didn't really rely on a whole no. lot of that. But then at the end, you know, like, you know, what happens happens and then it's done. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, but then what happened? <laughs> because like, where does that put us? And I was like, I know we're in 44 because when they were at the vet, there was a calendar right. that said 1944. Okay. So what happens from here? So my brain is going still trying to figure out where everything's at. I'm like, well, now the movie's fucking over. And now, well, now I have to go to Google. And it just, I don't know. The ending... It just, it always just kind of struck me as like, oh, okay. Yeah. We're done. Well, I mean, it is, you you know, I look at it this way. I I hear what you're saying. It does have like, as much as this, you know, talk about duration, this is what, two and a half hours long. Um, When the end comes, I think it feels like I'm ready for it. But it does, I hear what you're saying. It has a very abrupt, um, that said... I think the reality is, right, all the bastards are gone. We, the mm-hmm. only two remaining are there, yeah. right? We know them. Um, we, we've kind of, Shoshana's gone. We, like, you know, yeah. all of the characters we were following are pretty much dead at this point, other yeah. than the three that we're seeing in I, that. I don't, I don't, I don't say I have a better idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just saying, I'm like, we could have ended at the cinema blowing up. Like, that could have been the, yeah. the final moment for me. And I would have been like, oh, yeah, they went out with right. a bang. Right. Um, or, well, you just want to see, you know, I. Well, I want to see Rain finally yeah. put Londa in his place because I mean, Londa has gotten away with everything in the film, and he is the absolute mm-hmm. most sort of slimy bad guy. Oh, I hate it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like I like I had like a, a like a body reaction yeah. to like ugh. Yeah. But no, I just there was just something, and I remember just saying at the end, Anthony and I watched it again this weekend uh, to prepare for the episode, and I was like. I think that's why I don't remember what the ending was. Because I went into the movie going like, I know I've seen this. I just don't remember how it ends. Like, I don't yeah. remember the very end. And I was like, oh, that's why. Okay. <laughs> Where with uh, Sis- Sisu. Yeah. Not Sisu. Sisu. Sisu? Um, that's why I love that it had such a cute little package at the very end. It was like, that was the line. Ha ha ha. It's done. Yeah. I remember that. You, 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 you felt more sad. Yeah, it's interesting. Because I think it's I trying to do something kind of similar it gives you yeah. that quick little phrase at the end and then we just, cut to the credits but i hear what you're saying but it's it didn't a, it, hit me yeah well and also i think g- given what we know of the sisu situation 
you don't expect it's going to have impacts on the larger war or the or the yeah, world outside yeah. of those characters, Which right? Is why this I is enjoyed this it. was a bad thing that happened to this battalion or yeah. the, the, this troop, and th- they were done with, mm-hmm. and he survived, and yeah. now he gets his money. You know, like so. They, okay, there's a finality here. Like there are going to be repercussions. The, mm-hmm. the fact that this ended the war in some kind of alternate history timeline. Yeah. Like there are things that could have happened that you could have kind of shown, and and yeah. might, you know, you might have even seen Londa meeting up with Kaitel or so, you know mm-hmm. something like that but yeah I don't it's, know it's, I, it's, I, I'm pleased with the way it ends it's not it's not like an atrocious ending it's not enough that I'm gonna be like I don't like that movie like no I enjoyed the movie yeah. I like it normally yeah. I don't like war movies and normally I don't like well, Nazi movies well this isn't a straight up war film either because I yeah. think you're getting a lot of dialogue yeah and not a lot of actual like warfare fighting right yeah I mean, there's like, like a little bit of gorilla on the side yeah like, and, but yeah. yeah but I hear you I hear you mm-hmm. um it, you know, any other sort of standout moments from the film that you want to note, uh, Joe, before we wrap up our convo? I smoked a cigarette with Melanie Laurent at that um, press uh, junket. <laughs> and, and to this day, it's a thrill uh, in, in my life. Did you keep the, did the, you butt? Keep the butt? Yeah, it's framed and yeah. it's matted. Oh my it's gosh. beautiful. I, the, oh. I picked hers up too, had lipstick on it. And then, <laughs> It's like the napkin at the tavern. Yeah. Love you know, uh, that probably the funniest moment that Anthony and I had when we were watching this is because like we had been, you know, imbibing at the house. And I was like, this is the worst Cinderella story ever. And <laughs> he is slipping the shoe onto her foot. Right. Yeah. Um, so my only other Easter egg I want to make sure I say is, did you notice the names on the card game are all double agents? Oh, really? Yeah. And even King Kong is a code name for a Soviet double agent. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So okay, if you, if you decide to, to go back and rewatch it, uh, pay attention to the oh cards on their gosh. foreheads. Because it, it starts with uh, Matahari. Yeah. 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 You're right. So it wow. starts going through. Yeah. Tarantino, with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, really does put forth his love of cinema and cinema history. And mm-hmm. here you get the notion of a lesson in what, mm-hmm. in what ancient silver was for the... Uh, the the film developing um, you know, technique and then that it is flammable and mm-hmm. that it all happens in a movie theater it just seems very A, Tarantino, but B, just enjoyable for film lovers. I mean, I yeah. like that he's putting all of that, that forward. So that's another notable scene when she spliced it in, spliced in her own face. Yeah. Uh, the doors are locked, and this place is about to burn. And oh, and by the way, there's the bastards are here too with their machine guns. So yeah, yeah it was just BT just does. so much fun, a great climax. The, yeah, the angle though just made me think of Andre the Giant in uh, Princess Bride, <laughs> oh, where yeah. it was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, the, I mean, the, I I actually watched this uh, with my 13 year old. She was interested, and I was like, okay, the, the, <laughs> you know, it's a fair amount of violence, the, the, but. She seems okay with it. Um, the head trauma stuff, I think, mm. is the word. Because, you know, we do see um, Donnie, the the uh, Eli Roth character, the bear Jew, as he is nicknamed uh, by the Germans, you know, bashing in the skull of one, one German officer uh, fairly early. And then later we, we see him, you know, machine gunning to pieces mm-hmm. the head of Hitler. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, th- so th- you get some of that... Uh, you know, very graphic head trauma stuff that Tarantino likes to get into from time to time. And, uh, you know, used against Nazis. Again, it's one of those things where, like, I, I end up not feeling that bad for the Nazis. And an element of cartoonishness, especially to the oh, yeah. Hitler scene. Yeah. Not so much mm-hmm. the beating the guy to death with the bad scene. A little bit, though. And it's certainly played for laughs. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it absolutely yeah. is. You're right. Um, well, you know, Eli Roth was an asshole at that press screening, and I'm going to talk about that now. <laughs> that, that sounds consistent with what I would expect. Uh-huh. I mean, like the 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 energy he puts off yeah. is asshole, but uh, you know, sometimes competent <laughs> filmmaking though. asshole. Yeah, he's a and I don't know cabin anything fever, about right? him. <laughs> well, he made the movies Cabin Fever and Hostel kind of right before this. Ooh. That was <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen those. Torture porn, not like, for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> but he he also did the remake of Death Wish, which was one of the first films we did on right. here in a movie over oh. five years ago. Strangely enough, Bruce yeah. Willis, one of his last like actual roles before mm-hmm. he had to segue into the, uh, you know, just the really small films that he was just making the money to bank before he had to announce his illness. That's sad. 
sad end to a guy like that. Man, wh- why did I go down that? Way way I don't know. It. Yeah, way to bring it down. Hey, 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 well, smoky you know. beers, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, smoky beer is what we had. Kay- Kaylee did all she could to restrain herself from laughing at my reaction. Um, <laughs> w- when I took that first sip, I'm like, yeah, this is goddamn garbage. I, and I, did I mean, any of us finish our glass? I'm, I've been sipping on it just because out of habit. Like, I'm just somebody, when I'm doing this podcast, I'm expecting to be taking sips of beer. And I'm taking the smallest sips I've ever taken. And I haven't finished my my pour, which is rare. I mean, I never get to this part of the segment and not have drank the entirety and need yeah. to refill. Oh, my God. I do not like this beer. I, just don't like, I don't like smoked malt. And I know some people must because people make these beers. Well, I, look, okay, first of all, if you look at the bottle, if you go to smoke beer.com yeah. there is more information about this beer and this brewery uh, smokebeer.com and on the bottle it says smoke beer fans will love it there is a niche for it yeah you asked at the very beginning well, what are your thoughts on smoked beer I've had good ones I've had some that are a little more difficult to drink this started off very difficult I'm gonna say probably v- largely do well to two things. Number one, the contrast to that crisp, clean Pilsner we enjoyed in the first half. Mm-hmm. Secondly, this thing hits you over the nose. The aroma alone is almost like off-putting. I mean, it, it, you can certainly smell smoke, but too much smoke. Now, though, settling into it, letting my palate warm up to it, letting the beer even warm up a little bit, I'm enjoying it more here at the end, but this is not a thing I'm going to look for. I'm just not a smoke beer guy generally. Yeah. And I, and but I'll if go you with, are, this might be the thing. The do, the Doppelbach is is also hidden. The smoke is so. No, you're right. I don't get like a ton of malt or because all I'm getting is smoke. Or, yeah, things. Yeah. It's it's smoke and cold, the cold liquid, <laughs> and it's just it, it plays with your brain. Um, I also would pick up my glass to sip just because that's what we do, and yeah. then the smell would hit me before yeah. my mouth touched the glass. And you've got that tulip glass that's just filled with and that aroma. It's just, it's just uh, smacked me in the face. Yeah. I'm going to keep my smoke and my beer separate. Okay. Yeah. But this might actually be interesting to cook with. Cook that's with? That's interesting. You, you know, because I was thinking, what is it about, like, because this smoked flavor, you know, to go mm-hmm. back to your point, me being the milk toast middle aged man that I am, <laughs> I do like smoked meats. Mm-hmm. I, not, not, that I make my own very well, but I like eating that and I yeah. love barbecue. So I like that flavor when it's incorporated with, you know, something more umami, something more. But with beer, I kind of just, it Mm-mm. doesn't, it never feels right to me. I mean, I would I would try like beer broths with this or something. Now that's interesting. Like, I, that that like, might, the smoke flavor there might seem like an asset. It would add yeah. to the, the flavor of the sausage. You know? yeah. I don't know, but. This is, I like your thinking, Kaylee. That I always try to find the silver lining. I feel here like, hey, if you open your smoked beer and it's just garbage and flavor, it, just put, put it some on sausages a in yeah, it. Yeah, just put it on a wiener. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> don't, don't make that the episode. <laughs> well, it is. It should be. It should be. <laughs> well, David, look, we have had so much fun. We uh, always do with Kaylee. I think Thank that if you. we had another, like a big smoke beer guy or girl here, that, that maybe. Well, that's that- what I, I'm wondering if any of our circle here, like certainly any of our listeners, you chime in. Um, Joe will give you all the info to ha- how to do that. But please, you know, let us know. Do you tell us, is somebody in our audience a smoke beer person? Um, or on the Discord. That would be a fun yeah. conversation to have. Next week on the episode, Fast X. We're going back to number 10, and we're going to pair it with another movie that we'll talk about maybe in uh, After Hours. Uh, but we're done. But here's the best thing, David. Here's the best thing, Kaylee. The best thing about Beer in a Movie is that the conversation does not end here because you can find us everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Not so much Twitter, but we're there. (laughs) Discord, uh, if you type in Beer in a Movie, the conversation continues. You'll find our uh, server there. Or just DM us at any of the other things I just mentioned, and we will get you that invitation. It's a lot of fun, a growing group of people that uh, enjoy not only talking about beer and movies, but just like everything. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we've also mentioned several times during the episode that we're going to extend this conversation. Kaylee, David, and I are going to hang out for another 45 minutes hour in our bonus subscriber-only after-hours episode. You sign up at patreon.com slash beer and a movie podcast. $5 gets you a bonus episode every week. 
Uh, and if you're listening on that, pod, that podcast platform, just do us a favor right now. Stop and go over to the review section for the podcast. Give us five stars or whatever's equivalent on the listening service that you use. Leave a review. That helps the algorithm do what it do. You have just experienced another all-inclusive Nazi-bashing episode of Beer in a Movie. Until next time. Watching Donnie beat Nazis to death is the closest we ever get to going to the movies. I should have said Nazis. Damn. <laughs>